Hi, I'm Sam Sells, and welcome to my podcast, Clean Money. I'm a serial entrepreneur that has led over 2 billion development projects around the world. But the work I am most proud of is the work we do here at Wild Mountain Capital. We not only create great returns for our socially conscious investors, but we make an impact in the many communities we work in and we change lives. I like to say investing matters, and my show is to talk with everyday folks that are not only creating great success, but making an impact in society and improving the lives of others. That is my mission, and I wanna share my stories and others with you. Welcome to Clean Money. Thank you everyone for joining with us today for another great episode of Clean Money, where we talk about making a difference in the world by how we invest our time and our resources. Today, I'm really excited to talk to Mike and Lydia, who have done something that I've recommended to a lot of people over the past few years, and that is to check out Think Multifamily. And they are both uh, Think Multifamily, um, I don't know, alumni is the right word, but <laughs> active players working in that system. Mark and Tamil are fantastic. They have a great system set up. And we'll talk about that a little bit um, about your journey. But what's super cool is, you know, like Mike, you were saying, you know, I used to be a 401k guy. Hey, get a job, kid, kind of, you know, life that we all grew up in, at least we did. Um, that's old um, gray hairs. And then, you know, <laughs> you went from that into changing, leaving corporate America seven years ago, where you worked, a, you know, eight to five plus everything they wanted you to do. <laughs> you had to ask for time off. Uh, but now you guys do syndications, you're in real estate, you're buying raw land, and you've gained what I say is the point of choice or the point of freedom in life where your passive income overtakes your expenses. And now you can do what you want with your time. You can live where you want. You can use your time as you want. And you're free, right? You're, you're free to choose. And so that point has happened for you guys. You made it happen. You've been doing this for seven years. You help other people um, do that, and you've changed your lives dramatically. So please, um, thank you for joining the show, and love to hear more about this journey that you guys went on from the humdrum life that we've all been through to where you guys are today. Yeah, thanks for having us on the show, Sam. We thank we you. love to to talk about uh, our journey and hopefully inspire others to. Uh, some form of, of action should they want it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, like I was saying, I think we both kind of started out a similar um, path, although Lydia's from Romania, she grew up in a, under a communist dictator for, you know, the first 14 years of her life. And so that was vastly different uh, upbringings there, but, you know, we were wow. both, um, went to school and got a job after school. And then just, you know, that was, that was framed as what I was supposed to do when I grew up, right? You go get your good grades, you go to university, you get out, you get a job, you climb the corporate ladder, you feed your 401k and ideally you retire with a nest egg and you sail away on a sailboat and do all the things <laughs> yeah. that they show on these, uh, on these mutual yeah. funds. Commercial. And don't, bo don't bother the younger generation, right? Cause that's yeah. right. <laughs> to go on about your business. Yeah, go about your business. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so in, like you said, in 2016, um, we were almost forced with a, a decision. Uh, we both found ourselves out of work. 
um, at, at about the same time. And so because we were working W-2 jobs, our income stopped. Like we didn't have a side hustle. We didn't have uh, any type of cash flowing investments or anything like that. And so, um, you know, we, we fortunately had some money in the bank, but it was a stressful time of, of yeah. crap. We got to, you know, <laughs> restart the money machine, uh, yeah. the, the big mortgage that we had and the cars and, um, two older daughters that were entering the college life themselves. And, and so, you know, the immediate response, the knee jerk response was, okay, freshen up the resume, get out there, work the network, start going on interviews, uh, all the stuff that went along with that. And, you know, I personally, um, I had a few quick interviews. Uh, I worked in, in larger tech companies. Uh, and so I had interviews with other larger tech companies. Um, but I really had a, just a gnawing sensation or a sick feeling in my stomach beyond just the anxiety of going on interviews. You know, it was really like, what kind of company culture am I stepping into? Um, at that moment I was doing a lot of business travel. Am I going to have to do that again? Are we going to have to relocate to the West coast or to, you know, some other place, corporate headquarters and just all of that was churning, uh, inside. And, um, we decided to kind of take a moment, step back and think about, okay, we have a choice that we can make in this moment. Is this the path that we want to step back into or is there an alternative? And, um, you know, fortunately, Lidge is super supportive and actually because of her upbringing comes from a different mindset than I did, where I'm a lot more safety conscious in terms of finances and, uh, you know, what if I make a misstep and do something wrong or whatever, but we did take that moment and we thought about, okay, what if we do something different and what if it fails? Like yeah. that's the worst thing that happens, right? Okay. Well, we either try something else or we get a job or, you know, life will be okay. And, um, the early part of, of, uh, my adult life was saddled with mortgages and kids and, uh, this American dream where we just keep consuming and growing and amassing debt. And um, that does trap you into a certain mindset or, or it can anyway, trap you into a, uh, an inability to take risks. Uh, and that, you know, I already kind of came from that lifestyle, but, you know, in that moment we were able to take that and, and we had a few ideas. I think we had revisited, um, Kiyosaki's rich dad, yes. poor dad, and this seed of cash flow and getting into the entrepreneurial side of the quadrant and, and doing those things that, that do liberate was already there, uh, in the back of the mind. And so we took that moment and said, let's give it a go. Let's do it. And, um, yeah, we did. And, you know, we can get into the nuts and bolts of that, but fast forward, as you mentioned, we we just last year bought a house in the mountains where it was our preferred place to live. And um, yeah. we're just able to spend our days in nature and um, and kind of uh, we'll, we'll go next month to visit Lidge's family. We'll spend the month in Europe and we don't have to worry about putting in paid time off requests or is the money still going to be coming in or those, you know, yeah. those kind of things. And so it's just amazing. I mean, it's, it's, I never discount what got me here. And so I don't look back with regret and say, Oh, I spent all those years in corporate America. I mean, all that served me. Um, and that moment in time really, I think was our moment in time to be able to, to take those risks with less risk. Um, 
And I think in 2016, we both realized when when our offices closed, uh, we were living in Dallas, Texas area, and both our offices closed. And if we wanted to keep a job, we had to re- relocate. And Mike would, would have to relocate in Seattle, and I would have to relocate in Fort Smith, Arkansas, which we wouldn't do. But we realized that job security is kind of an illusion. Um, you could do, you can actually hop, you know, go job hopping or try to seek other jobs, but really job security was an illusion and we wanted to do something different for our lives. Excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. My far, father-in-law is as about anti-investment as you could ever get, you know, <laughs> retired as a chief in the air force, mm-hmm. um, back as a government civilian, worked another 20 years. Um, but his wife, my, my wife's mom has had a, a significant medical event that happens um, to people when you're in your late 60s or any time in life. And now he can't work. And so he's retiring earlier than he wanted to. And he's losing uh, about, uh, what was it, sixty or $70,000 a year in, in two months, in three months. And so all of this, you know, investment's terrible, just work, and blah, 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 blah. And now all of a sudden it's gone, right? And he, he has... Fortunately, he has retirement and so forth, but it's just like, it, you know, most, it, I hear this all the time and I've, you know, growing up here all the time, all you need a good job and, you know, guaranteed work and everything else. And I think the past 20 years have shown that there is no security. There is no retirement. You need to do something different. And there's enough real estate in America that every single person in America could be doing something to earn passive income. It's not like you can't go out and find it. It's not like you have to have $10 million in the bank to go buy something. Um, And so you guys took the leap, you took the jump, and you said you're really stressed, Mike, about making mistakes. Uh, Ligia, not so much. You're like, no, (laughs) I know nothing's for granted in this world. We got to make our way, or else we're we're toast. Um, so tell me a little bit about some of those mistakes that you both made when you took that jump, and over the past seven years, what have been some of your biggest mistakes? Things that you would, you know, you learn the most from, perhaps, but that really made you think, I still want to do this despite this thing that's happened. Hmm. Yeah, really, really great question to reflect on. Um, like I mentioned a minute ago, I'm not a, it's interesting. I, I have this, uh, I have this fear of failure and this fear of making mistakes partially just in the core of who I am, right? I was a first child. I was, uh, I was pushed to, you know, get the good grades, make straight A's, uh, excel at sports, um, you know, and I, I, I can kind of look back and say neither. Okay. With grades. Yes. My parents did push me really, really hard, but they never really put any expectations on me beyond that. I, I had a lot of this just own internally and maybe some of it was, was subconscious or whatever. But at the same time, I can sit here and tell you, I'm not a person who looks back and, and sees things as mistakes, right? That's all about learning and, and growth. And um, like I mentioned earlier, everything that has happened to me has served me to bring me to this point in which I am supremely happy. And so it's kind of this weird uh, conflict of, of things. But, you know, I would say starting out for us, we did a lot of things right. We 
we set aside some seed capital to get started. We gave ourselves um, not really an explicit time frame, but we did have a time frame in mind that said, you know, we're going to give this a go for a certain amount of time. We knew that this was what we wanted to be our full time adventure. And so we found a coach and a mentor to help us and to get us started and to help prevent us from making mistakes that had been made before. And so we did a lot of things right. I would say, you know, we, we've talked about this. If we look back and reflect on things that we maybe would have done different, we would have gone in faster. Like we, yes. we were very uh, timid about, uh, so we started in, in vacant land investing, which is essentially flipping. It, uh-huh. It's, it's just buying land cheaply and flipping it for a profit. Yeah. And a lot of what we do in that business is owner financing. And so in that way, we build up this cash flow stream. Well, when we started out, we were super picky. Like we would look at a property that somebody was willing to sell and we'd be like, oh, it's got a little slope to it. Or, <laughs> it oh, yeah, it has a crack or uh, it's not very pretty. Or, you know, we we were we were projecting in the minds of future buyers that, oh, nobody's going to like this. We have since, I mean, we buy anything we can get our hands on because mm-hmm. there's somebody that's going to buy that property. You just have to find them. And we yeah. have never been stuck with a property. So anyway, we would have gone a little bit faster. Yes. However, we went at our pace and we got to where we got to. And yeah. um, so that's, you know, that's one thing that we look back on on the land side. On the multifamily side, we've been in for a few years now um, syndicating in apartments. Uh, larger 100 unit plus you mentioned uh, think multifamily we joined uh, with mark and tamil same thing when we when we decided um and we got into multifamily largely because we wanted to, to diversify um but also we had built ourselves a tax problem because mm-hmm. we were making too yeah. much money and yeah. so we were flipping is tax like money. it's a tax monster right <laughs> it's great and so uh, you know in that journey one of our I won't say it's a mistake, but it's certainly a lesson. And I think it's a very applicable lesson for a lot of people listening is, you know, in the world of syndications and really any investment in general, and this is what's actually so great about real estate, it is so important to know who is running your investment, who's operating the deal. A business plan can be lights out great, but if you don't have the right people championing and leading the deal, it can go sideways so easily. Uh, And so, you know, our early days, we were eager to get into deals and we really didn't spend a whole lot of time vetting the people that were running the deal. And partially that's because a lot of us were already, we were in a like-minded group and we had this false impression that everybody in the group was a, you know, great character, uh, all this stuff. Well, you don't necessarily know that. And it's hard to really know that. Yeah, just because they're nice doesn't mean they have good character. Exactly. that on the hard way too, yeah. Super nice. Exactly, yeah. So that's one of our biggest takeaways in, in kind of multifamily and just real estate investing in general is we do take a lot of time and I won't invest in a deal unless I've really vetted someone. And, you know, in the world of syndication, sometimes these come up very quickly. People reach out, hey, we're working on a deal. We're looking to close in in 30 days or whatever. It's just not enough time for me. It's like, okay, well, that's great. I'll catch you on the next one, maybe. But let's, if you want to form a partnership, let's take some time to explore each other's track records, uh, get to know a little bit more about the character. How do you operate a deal? Are you communicative? You know, some people lean into problems. Some people 
run away from problems. And uh, it's it's kind of uh, it's super important to know those things. And I think a lot of investors, especially in the world of what I've seen in syndications, you know, you get these glossy marketing decks and look at these business plans and everything looks rosy and these returns are going to be great. But, you know, you don't get a lot of insight into the people that are running the the deals. And so that is, uh, I would say that's our number one criteria as much as we can vet that out um, before we'll go into deals. But yeah, I mean, uh, those are probably our two biggest takeaways from, you know, one from land, one from multifamily. And um, it's, it's things we uh, definitely have learned from. I, I love those comments because as I've done, we've done about 22 deals now uh, in uh, most of those have been syndications. We've had a few that were just joint ventures or or, yeah. or an institutional deal where we worked with an institutional partner. Uh, over time, I've learned, you know, a lot of lessons, but, you know, three resounding things is one, you know, the partner themselves. You're going to have problems at that property. You're going to have problems with the market if you're going to be around longer than two or three years in anything. Um, there's going to be something that's going to happen in the market, right? Uh, and I'm seeing... Uh, and then the third is the the debt. Um, you can have super glossy, awesome deck. You can have folks who went to Wharton and partner, you know, they have all the fanciest people on their deck you've ever seen. None of them, of course, are doing anything with that deal. Um, but, you know, they're on, they're off doing their own thing. And then, you know, they raise a lot of cash and they put it on in there, but the debt's terrible or it's not very good, or, um, you know, you, you just don't know because they can raise a lot of money, but it doesn't mean they can run an investment. And so we're seeing a lot all over America right now. It's all in the news, but it's not in the news that people read on CNN and these others who are primarily focused on clickbait, you know, Fox, CNN, all those, I wrap them all up in the same. It's just, it's all clickbait news, right? And nobody cares, uh, but there's tons and tons of, operators walking away from giant deals because they don't know what to do and the debt's gone up so expensive and they're walking away and just letting the banks take it. Mm-hmm. And it's big folks like um, Blackstone and all, all these other big ones. And it's small guys too, um, because they're not leaning in or they're too embarrassed to share their mistakes with all their partners. So there's just, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and, and some of those larger operators, it is a business and they just know, you know, maybe it's it's too much effort and their capital's better better spent redeployed other places than trying to save a deal or or other things. Yeah, it's it's definitely um yeah. And so yeah. the last two years, anybody who ha- who was running a syndication is a hero. Right. I mean, yeah. the market has just been on fire. We we were buying properties uh, from people that had held their properties for less than 12 months or you know, yeah. less than 24 months, and they had already pretty much made their business plan. And, um, you know, it wasn't because, and there was still, we do a lot of value add as it seems like you're involved as well. And so, you know, those deals hadn't done any value. They just had held on for the market gains and, and sold out, which is great. I mean, they rode the market at at an awesome time. Investors made a bundle, but um, now you start to see who are the operators and who are not the operators, right? Deals. And so, yeah, they're getting pressure from increasing interest rates and increasing material costs and labor costs. And um, okay, maybe some markets aren't uh, 98% occupied across the market and things like that. And so you definitely start to see who is savvy and who knows how to navigate 
choppy waters and and who are bailing out uh in the in those ways and uh it, it, it is uh an interesting time period to, to run as it is right like you mentioned if you're in this for any length of time the conditions change right it's just the nature of of the market and um that's where good partners uh and i consider lenders as part of the partnership i mean i i'm aware uh, we've invested in a few deals where uh, lend, there was a lot of lenders in the landscape over the past few years, just because there was so much deal flow. And so a lot of those lenders are also in trouble and they are, um, getting out, right. We, we are in a deal where the lender said, you know, I'm sorry, but I need you guys to refinance or sell in the next, you know, number of months because we're, you know, they needed out, they needed the cash flow, And, yeah. and so, we, you know, our, our team of, uh, uh, general partners had to scramble to, to kind of figure out how to get that deal refinanced. And, um, you know, yeah. there's, there's a few like that. Some of the bigger institutional lenders are obviously much more stable and uh, know what they're doing, but um, yeah, you can definitely get into some bad debt. Definitely get into some bad debt um, or bad partnerships. Or um, I have seen uh, because of all this, I think, and I don't know if you guys have seen this too, but you know, the SEC says if you're going to raise money for somebody else's deal, uh, you need to be involved in that deal. You can't just raise mm -hmm. money, get paid, and, and run off into the sunset. And right. we've seen some of our, um, you know, I, I think it probably happens to every syndicator. You, you bring somebody on new, they talk a big game, they bring capital to the deal, they run off, you ask them for help, and they're like, no, <laughs> I already did my part. And you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... Yeah, that, that, yeah, we see that too. I mean, it's unfortunate part of the business and uh, we'll see if that changes here over the next, uh, I know there's um, discussions floating about the SEC if they open that up to allow a, a little more transparency, let's call it, in the equity raising, uh, because there are people that, that do want to do just that. But yes, I mean, it's intended to be a partnership with everybody, yeah. you know, chipping in in their way, whatever that is through, you know, liquidity or through communications or management skills or help. And um, yeah, I mean, we operate several deals and um, I host monthly um, partnership meetings and, yeah, there's usually only a handful of people that show up on those. Uh, and, and that's okay. I mean, not everybody can show up to every meeting. I get that, but it's, you know, routinely um, a few people that are genuinely interested and, and willing to help. And then the others are on to the next deal. Yep. Um, and those are the ones you don't invite back because right. those are the ones who get you in trouble or they get, uh, unfortunately, been doing this long enough to have a few investors will say, well, you know, so-and-so never told me that. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, but, but anyway, there's there's pitfalls and not to scare anybody away from the investment. It's just kind of come in with eyes wide open and make sure you are um, as best you can. You can get track records from people. You can talk to people who have invested in other people's deals and understand what kind of communicator are they or, you know, are they transparent? Is it regular? I, I yeah, I, I'm always surprised, I guess, because my communication style is very open and regular. And I probably I come to this from the, the corporate world a little bit, but I am surprised when I hear about people that are in deals. And and to your point, they say, well, I you know, we didn't even really even get any communication or uh, the financials weren't shared with us or, you know, other things like that. It's like, OK, well, red flag there. That's a yeah. So either there's fraud happening or they hired a terrible accounting firm and um, 
they're, yeah, they're just a little secretive, you know, they don't want to uh, yeah. share things. But anyway, it's just it's things to come in and look for. But, you know, for for all of those, there's probably 10 great operators and people that run properties out there. And, you know, we know a lot of them and um, there are a lot of best practices that are, you know, widely practiced out there. So, um, yeah, it's. It's, uh, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to continue. I think there's going to be great deals ahead. Um, it's fueling our lifestyle today. And, yeah. um, yeah, yeah to, your, to your point, I mean, it's really for us, it's, it's not so much about having a sizable nest egg at a certain date in time. It's really about building a cash flowing engine that will last beyond us, you know, that, uh, kind of we can hand to our, children and those who we want yeah. to pass along uh wealth and businesses and investments and things like that it's it's uh certainly opened our eyes to a, a different paradigm in in how we're going to spend uh the the latter half of our year yeah. of our that's life <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah that's fantastic so um you hit on something that uh, I think modern society is slowly coming around to is this idea of cash flow is more important than net worth and our assets under management or these other figures that we like to brag about. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, your house is paid through cash flow unless you paid it all off with cash, which was still that cash came from somewhere, right? Having equity, you can have $100 million in equity, but be in a spot where you can't buy a sandwich because you don't have any cash, right? And that and that happens. It happens to, it has happened to a lot of folks. And uh, I think about, you know, our ups and downs in the, in the company's history, you know, the cash flow and the, um, you know, how much we're worth or so forth don't always line up, right? Because you can have equity in a deal, but it's not giving you any money. Mm -hmm. So um, how did, when did you, in your journey, when did that cash flow finally get to the point um, where you had the point of freedom and did, um, and at what point did you, uh, you know, and then why did you decide to go into syndications? Um, was that the same time? Was that before? Um, and, and tell me just kind of that differentiation, if you could. Yeah. So we got into land initially um, really for the cash flow and the as i mentioned the way we went about it because of that like there there's different ways to to buy and sell land but the the way we went into it was really in owner financing to build up a, a longer term cash flow and so you know when we sell a property to someone let's just say it's similar to a car um we'll be the bank we'll finance you for your $30,000 purchase uh, pay us $350 a month over the next five, six, seven years. And um, it was amazing. And so, you know, it wasn't an overnight success. And it, it we obviously had some investment up front and it takes a while to recoup some of that investment because somebody's paying smaller chunks back on your investment. But um, I would say we, we started right at the beginning of 2017. So we spent 2016 doing a little research, some education, learning, setting up our business. And then we kind of came out of the gates. And um, it took us longer than most, I think, at least the people that we knew that were doing this. It took us about six months before we went the cycle. So we we bought some inventory and really our what took us a bit of time was just 
getting that first sale. And it was, we just had to find the formula that worked. And, you know, once we did that, things really um, accelerated very quickly from there. So I would say for us, our first hurdle was get into the black. So stop dipping into savings every month to pay our bills. At the same time, we also made a conscious choice to downsize, right? We, we had a large house in Dallas, um, a certain lifestyle. Um, and we decided we didn't, we were at a place where we didn't need that lifestyle anymore. And so, um, we sold our place. We moved to Colorado. Um, we started renting a townhome until we could figure out where we wanted to live exactly within Colorado. And, um, and so we, we made an active choice to, I mean, I'll say downsize. I don't know from a, from a, from a bill's perspective, maybe we didn't save all that much because we moved from Dallas to the Boulder area, but, um, but we made this effort to live a different lifestyle. And, um, and so, you know, it probably took us about 12 months before we, we nudged, um, where we, our income was paying our bills. And then our next, you know, we just started setting goals, uh, over and above that. Okay. Well, let's get to the next level. And, um, and things have just accelerated very quickly. And so we probably spent uh, two and a half or three years in the land business, um, just building cash flow, and it was great. And then, as I mentioned, what what really nudged us was um, looking for tax incentives, uh, as well as a desire really to diversify. We had all our eggs in in the land business, and uh, we just started thinking, okay, there's some risk here, and. And so let's diversify and at the same time, take all the advantages in commercial real estate that you get. Um, we're real estate professionals, so we're full-time in real estate. And so we can take even more um, depreciation and and uh, offset our gains. And so we started looking at what are the options? And really it came down to storage versus multifamily. And it, it was hard from a financial standpoint to see a clear, better asset class to start with. Um, we liked the idea of value add multifamily just because it does give back to the community and you're helping the lifestyles of a lot of people because you're, you know, you're um, investing in their community and helping improve uh, rundown buildings and, uh, and those kind of things. And so we saw that as a, as a little better way we wanted to invest uh, some of our time and money. And so we just started in multifamily and, um, yeah, we, we, as with the land business and, and starting our road to entrepreneurship, like I said, we, we went about it in the same thought process. We said, okay, um, we want to be successful in this. Uh, there are people who have been down this road before let's find a coach and a mentor to help us the, you know, whereas we may spend five to $10,000 on a, on a piece of land that we buy, uh, well, you're spending five to 10 to $20 million on a commercial asset. And so, you know, the, yeah. the impact of a misstep in that world is just much more severe. And so, you know, we really wanted someone with deep experience and that could help coach us and partner with us, quite frankly, um, on deals. And so we went through about six months of researching the different groups out there. We found our way into Mark and Tamil's group, Think Multifamily, and it just felt, um, completely different than the others that we'd been looking at. It was uh, very small and intimate. We we spoke with several people that were in the group, which was unlike the other groups, which are a little more protective about 
uh, well, we don't really want you speaking to active uh, members, which, uh, you know, Weird. comes with its own set of flags. And um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, we 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 decided to um, mentor into them and um, it's been great. So we've, we've been, you know, they're coming up on three years, I think. And we followed a very uh, methodical path, really not out of too much intention, but just you know, we joined a couple of deals as LPs, so we passively invested just to get a feel for what is this investment all about. It gave us a certain insight into what it takes to run a deal. And then we were able to to uh, leverage that experience into b- becoming general partners, which gave us another level of insight into what it takes to be in the partnership to our earlier conversation about taking an active role and, and really helping um, into, you know, most recently we've led our most recent deals as lead sponsors. And that's an even, you know, another level of, uh, yeah. uh of detail and, and going through the full end to end process of, uh, you know, vetting a property, putting in a letter of intent, um, finding the, the, um, debt partner to work with, um, yeah. and then all that comes along with operating a deal after that. And so, um, now we're at a point this year where we're starting to reflect a little more on, you know, how exactly knowing all of this, what role or roles do we want to continue to play in this? You know, is it to continue down the full acquisitions? Is it to contribute, you know, in other ways? Because there is a heavy time um aspect of things uh, when you're actually running a deal, you know, I mean, asset managing and operating and even the acquisitions piece is a, is a significant time investment, which, you know, I enjoy doing personally. Um, but I don't know for how much longer I, you know, I mean, I, we like to be outside and we like to go on trips and we like uh, <laughs> all this other stuff. And so, you know, there are other ways to generate cash flow that aren't as active. And so we'll, we'll figure that out going forward, but you know, for now it's, it's been a, a great journey. And, you know, for anybody out there, like we, we kind of took this burn the boats approach almost by force, right? We were out of a job and, and we just took the leap full time into real estate. We talk to people all the time about this and it's, you know, a much more logical step while you have a job or some other source of income to just start passively investing in real estate and and getting all the benefits without investing the time and the effort and, and all of those things that go into it. And so it's, you know, definitely a, uh, I would say probably a much easier path because, you know, as long as you're doing your upfront vetting and, and looking at your deals and, and you have that, uh, financial capability to invest in deals and that, that, you know, that's the way to go. If on the other hand, you maybe don't have as much money, it's a great way to utilize sweat equity to get in and and do this stuff. And, and, you know, you can invest in a lot of these, your time and get financial benefits and, and equity and net worth and all that comes along with it. So for all those reasons, you know, I just, real estate is amazing um, yes. uh, way to, to invest your time and, and, and generate cash flow and equity and net worth and all of that. So. Yeah. I, I love it. That's, you said so many, so many great things in there. You talked about coaching. Um, that was a phenomenal, phenomenal choice um, by you two to decide to go with a coach, find the right coach at the very beginning uh, that fit what you were looking for. Uh, I did not find a coach. Uh, if I could go back five years in time, I'd punch myself in the face and say, Sam, go get a coach because you're going to make all these bad choices. Then you're going to have to fix them, uh, but it's just going <laughs> to consume your life as you try and fix these things. 
um, and learn the hard way. Why learn the hard way when you can, like you said, you can go get buy a piece of land or you can invest in your future. And it was mm-hmm. a significant level up for you guys to go from, I mean, land is great and you should st- you're probably still buying land whenever you, you get that stuff. But, you know, the difference and the trajectory is um, significantly uh, changed uh, through syndication. Oh yeah, yes. for sure. I mean, yeah, for us, so land is still a cash cow for us. We love it. Um, we, we actively run it. Um, we actually just recently started coaching others in how to start up their own land business and, and generate the same level of cash flow. Um, I will say it is difficult to deploy large amounts of capital, um, th- at least the way we run the business. We we do a little more residential, uh, smaller parcels. Uh, the, the speed with which we can make those transactions is, is much quicker than um, larger development projects where you're buying larger tracks. Maybe you're subdividing them, you're adding some value into those. And, you know, that's certainly a way to get larger amounts of money. It, it's um, a little more time consuming and the yield. I mean, our, our return on investment in the land business is uh, 150% annual return on our investment. And it's just uh, incredible. Yeah. And so uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great way to do it. It's just hard to deploy right. six figures into, you know, until you build up a machine and then you're, you know, once you have uh, more of a business, you can scale things over time and, and you it can be done. But when you're starting out, it's it's certainly not like you can just go find a great syndication and and invest one hundred thousand dollars and and start earning your returns um, after that. But yeah. Um, and if I, if I may add, uh, we found it really important to have a diversified portfolio. Uh, I remember we joined uh, multi think multifamily group in 2020. And that was the year when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really thought in the beginning of that year that our our land business is gonna go it's gonna shrink to nothing, because yeah. you know when 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 there's troubles uh, in the market and when a pandemic hits, like who wants to have a recreational property to go out there and camp and hunt and you know, but yeah. but it was the opposite actually our our sales went to the roof, but also. I think when you have a diversified portfolio and you invest in different assets, uh, then there's you can provi- you can prevent those market changes and the hit that you can get from all these changes that come on the market. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. That's great. Um, diversification is so essential because you can lose all your money, just like you said. You can lose. A lot. There's big folks who are losing tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars of investor cash right now. So if you're an investor in one of those deals, your money just went poof because, like you said earlier, Mike, the uh, that entity is saying, you know, it's not worth our time and effort to try and save these deals. We're just going to give them back to the bank and move on. Sorry, investors. Yeah, cut our losses. Yeah, cut our losses and move on. Um, you know, and and so there's risk in the big guys. Um, there's risk in the little guys. There's just risk in the market. And so having that sure. diversification is is really really important, um, but a four hundred one k is not diversification in, in my yeah. idea. It's just, yeah, I mean that that in and of itself, I, I don't know. As as I've been on this journey, I mean, I I I had a four hundred one k when we left the corporate world. We rolled that into 
um, a different 401k where, you know, it was a little more um, flexible in terms of what we could invest in, but it was still stocks and and funds. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once we got into real estate, you know, we went into self-directed and just, it, it was a little more, you know, we started a business and so we were able to roll it into a business 401k um plan uh but there are other ways to do it as an individual and and we work with several people when we have these uh investments that want to invest in real estate right there's a way to take some or all of your money out of that 401k into something that's a more flexible product um that's a lot more transparent right you know uh the fees that are involved versus when you're investing in 401ks and funds i mean there's so many hidden fees uh, stacked throughout the process. I see, look, you know, my, my mom and dad, they, they had my, my mom, similar to your, your parents, I mean, or your in-laws, like my mother was a teacher. And so she gets a state pension, um, and similar thing. She left the workforce a little bit earlier than she wanted to. So she didn't quite get the full pension. Uh, but it was enough. Well, now life conditions have changed such that it's becoming not enough, right? She she had some unexpected expenses that are that are coming up, and um, inflation goes up more than your pension, which you know hers is fixed, and so there's all these things. But I guess where I was going with that is they also had some uh, retirement accounts that had mutual funds in them. And, you know, I would hear every quarter they get their statement and they're like, uh, I lost, you know, it's, it's less than it was the quarter before, or, you know, even though the, even though the basket of funds is going up, the fees are eating into, you know, the margin. And so it's just, uh, it's really, a. and if you touch it, you get like a a ginormous, you know, check penalties to the government. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad that that's you know that's what is um, that's what is fed to us as the normal way, and it's it's um, you know they make it so easy, and it is it, it's a great thing that you know when you when you're in a company that there's a company sponsored plan, there's company matching. Yeah. Um, I understand that it's in their interest to hire, to go with a fidelity or somebody that, you know, has it all it's plug and play and they can do all this. And so, you know, the, the, all those things are great, but I think the fallacy in it all is that, you know, that's what's normalized and that's what's um, put in front of people as essentially kind of your only option um, in doing these things. And, and so, yeah, it, I, I'm a person that really likes, I, I love um, finances and investing. And even when I was in my 20s, I was looking into, you know, the internet was just kind of coming into vogue and there were all these different companies. And um, you may be familiar with like The Motley Fool, but they're, you know, a, a investing education platform. And so in the world of of stocks and bonds, I was always a fan of doing research and understanding. And um, you did get exposed to the fact that there are fees and that, you know, okay, maybe index funds are a great way to go and, and do those kind of things. But it was, it was, again, a very narrow slice of, of, of what was possible in the world out there. And it was through, you know, I don't know if you call him a pioneer, but these great pioneers like Robert Kiyosaki, who's out there preaching that there are other ways to go about generating cash flow, and you don't have to follow this mold of uh, get a paycheck, pay into all the, you know, social taxes and, 
and cross your fingers that when you get to be 55 or 65 or, or whatever the age continues to go up to, to uh, retirement age, that you have enough to coast uh, through the rest of, of uh, however long it, you know, our um, extending lifespans get to be uh, and all of that. So lost a lot of money following the Motley Fool's advice a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> some reason they generate, um, they generate amazing returns with their picks, but yeah. I'm also not, I wasn't ever in, able to invest in the 45 stocks that they were investing in. Right. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah it just, it never worked. So <laughs> thank you both for joining the show. Um, we've talked now um, for a while and I love your story. It's, What's amazing is not um, what you guys have done. It's not like other people can do the same thing, right? They can do the same thing. Um, you don't need to be a rocket scientist. You don't need to have, you know, graduated from, you know, whatever, pick your favorite university. Um, but you could, you can do it. You can make a difference, but pick a coach, um, get on the path, dig into it. Like you said, you know, lean into it. And Lizia, like you were saying before, you know, be willing to try those things, even though it may be just a little bit risky um, and stick to it. And I really appreciate your, your feedback. I love what you guys are doing your money. I love value add. Um, it's a clean way to invest and make a difference in the world. Um, and by doing the way land, the way you do it, you make it more accessible because your owner financing it is great for you. It's great for the buyer. Um, who probably couldn't get the cash to put down on the property anyway. So exactly. uh, it works out, right? We can we can do a lot of different things. So please, uh, for those folks who want to find you, where do they? How do they find you? How can they reach out? So um, Deaton Equity Partners is our uh, commercial side of the business. We have a landing page, Deaton Equity Partners slash Freedom, where we try to make it a one-stop shop. So if you want to get in touch with us, we have contact information. If you're interested in learning more about um, multifamily investing, you can find some information there. If you want to leap over to land investing and hear a little bit about what that is, there's also a, an offshoot point there. We also just started a coaching program, flippingdirt.us is uh, the landing page for that. And so uh, you can learn all about what that what that entails. Um, if you're interested, sign up for our coaching program. It's a great way to, to get started generating easy cash flow. Um, but yeah, those are probably the best couple, couple points. Um, we love chatting with people about, you know, transitioning into something different. And so please do reach out if you're interested at all. Yeah. All right. Thank you. We'll make sure that's uh, in the show notes. Uh, I have checked out your website, flippingdirt.us. I love that tagline, flip dirt and get filthy rich. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> love it. All right. Well, thanks uh, to the both of you um, for sharing and spending time with uh, myself and our audience and have just a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And I look forward to speaking with you again. You too, Sam. Thank you for having us. Thank you for tuning in to Clean Money where we talk about sustainable investing that improves society. We are passionate about creating great investment returns to investors who want to use their money to make a positive social impact in the world. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd appreciate a five-star review. And if you are interested in making your investing matter, please connect with us at wildmountaincapital.com. Or you can find me, Samuel Sells, on LinkedIn, 
on Twitter at sells underscore Samuel, on Instagram at Clean Money Sam, or on Facebook. And finally, make your investing matter.